You are listening to Books Are My People, a bi-weekly podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 17. Hello, I'm Jennifer Calieris, and I am your host. I am recording at night. This is a first for me. Um, I was at the hockey rink most of the evening and now back home with a 10-year-old and a friend in tow little sleepover action. And uh, you might hear some noise in the background, but that's how it goes. So I feel like the past two weeks have been an absolute blur. We were in San Diego for a hockey tournament. We had a five-day weekend. Both of my kids were playing in two different rinks that were quite far apart. And over the four days that we were there, we managed to put 400 miles on the car. And that was just driving rink to rink. That doesn't even include all the miles traveling from LA to San Diego and back. There is a lot of sitting around at these tournaments because the kids have to get to their games an hour early. So I did manage to read three books and knit a hat, which ended up way too small for my big head. And I posted the hat on Instagram at Jennifer Calieris if you would like to see just how big my head is. I was so relieved that both of my boys made it through their hockey tournaments with their teeth intact and no injuries, but of course, the day we got home, my 14-year-old managed to dislocate his elbow in a skateboarding accident. So he's in a cast, and while we were getting his elbow x-rayed, one of his fingers had been looking a little purple for a couple days after a run-in with a football last week, so... We got that x-rayed as well, and it's broken. So his current situation is one arm, two casts. On to some bookish news. There are five finalists left vying for the Aspen Word Literary Prize. This is an award that celebrates books centered around issues of social justice The five finalists this year are Patsy by Nicole Dennis-Ben, Lost Children Archive by Valeria Luiselli, Lot by Brian Washington, Opioid Indiana by Brian Ellen Carr, and The Beekeeper of Aleppo by Christy Lefteri. From that list, I have only read two of the books, Lost Children Archive and Lot, but I have heard great things about the other three nominees. The winner receives $35,000 and will be announced on April 16th. And if you are looking to expand your social justice reading list, check out some of the past winners of the Aspen Words Literary Prize. According to CNN, a former employee at the Carnegie Library located in Pittsburgh, in cahoots with a bookstore owner, stole $8 million worth of rare books over a 25-year period. A total of 336 items were stolen. Among the most notable items to have gone missing was a 1787 first edition signed copy of Thomas Jefferson's De la France et des États-Unis. The book was one of 14 items found for sale at the Caliban Bookshop, um, which was owned by one of the perpetrators of these crimes. Charles Portis, the author of True Grit and other novels, has died at the age of 86 in Little Rock, Arkansas. 
I listened to the audiobook version of True Grit last year and absolutely loved that entire listening experience. He began his writing career as a reporter and wrote a lot about the civil rights movement and his most famous work, True Grit, was about a young woman named Maddie Ross who is on a mission to track down her father's killer. The book The Holdout by Graham Moore is being turned into a Hulu series. I have not read this book yet, but it is on my to-read list. It sounds like a fun premise. Um, From what I can remember, it is about a big uh, celebrity trial, kind of like the O.J. Simpson trial, um, and it's about the jurors on that trial and how they're coming together 20 or 30 years after the actual trial happened. And uh, during this coming together, one of the jurors gets murdered. And this last bit of news I found on Twitter because I follow the amazing Edward Carey, who wrote that book, Little, that I have talked about on this podcast. Um, And he talked about how he is going to be publishing a book called Swallowed Man about the two years he spent inside the belly of an enormous sea beast. And it's coming out later this year, maybe in October or November. So I am so excited about that because I am a huge, huge fan. So I have to say that I have read a fair amount of books in 2020, but a lot of them are not books that I was too excited to talk about on the show. Um, I don't think it's because there are bad books in 2020. I think maybe my picker is off and I have just become better about putting down books that I am not enjoying instead of slogging through them. So there have been a couple duds, but I won't be sharing them on the show. So I am going to share the ones that I read that I did enjoy and am most enthused about. The first of these books is Weather by Jenny Offal. This book came out very recently in 2020. Um, She is known for her book Department of Speculation, which came out in 2014. And I bought that book at a secondhand bookstore in Ojai. It is sitting in my bedroom, but I have not yet read it. After having read Weather, I am definitely going to be picking it up soon. So Weather is about a university librarian named Lizzie Benson, and it's basically her interior monologue as she goes about her life. She lives with her husband, Ben, who makes educational video games, and Lizzie's side hustle is to answer doomsday emails sent to her former professor's climate change podcast. She is a woman who retains a lot of worries. She worries about her brother who has had a drug problem in the past. She worries about climate change, but she also worries about the small things like the woman at her son's school who won't let her escort him into the classroom and the variety of library patrons, each with their own different quirks who enter the library where she works. This is a book that is steeped in interiority and character building rather than plot. The narrative is super sparse, um, just shorter ruminations that jump from topic to topic that kind of mimic the way the human mind wanders and then circles back and moves from petty concerns to more apocalyptic ones all in 
one or two sentences. It's a super short book. It's very insightful. It's absolutely humorous. And it has been compared to a much shorter version of Lucy Ellman's Ducks Newburyport, which I have not yet read. Um, but after reading this, I think that fans of Rachel Cusk would also enjoy this book, as would fans of Lydia Davis, who is known for her amazing flash fiction. So again, that is Weather by Jenny Offal. My next pick is When We Were Vikings by Andrew David McDonald. I think this falls under the category of new adult fiction, which I don't even know if that's a viable term anymore. When I published my first young adult novel in 2009, new adult referred to this time that came after the young adult novel readership, like that sweet spot between 18 and 25 when your prefrontal cortex stops developing. Anyhow, if new adult is still a word, then We Were Vikings should be under that category. If not, then it's just an adult novel. Let me tell you about it. So in this book, the main character is Zelda, and she is turning 21. She lives with her older brother, Gert, and she still needs him to take care of her because she was born on the fetal alcohol syndrome spectrum. Um, So she is functioning, um, but not fully. Zelda's dream is to be a real-life Viking hero. She knows a lot about the Vikings and studies Norse mythology and uses the information she learns about Vikings to act as a guiding principle for how she lives her life. Zelda has a boyfriend, Marxy, who, like her, needs to rely on the help of others to function in the world. And Zelda really would like to have an intimate experience with Marxy, but his mother is always lurking around the corner. Her older brother, Gertie, attends college, but has also gotten himself into some trouble with the law. But Zelda is determined to help because that is just what Vikings do. The book is fast-paced and funny, and it does have moments where I feel like it maybe slips more into a young adult category because of Zelda's voice than an adult novel. Um, But overall, I really enjoyed spending time with Zelda as she fights for her own autonomy and independence. I'd recommend this book to fans of The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, and again... That was When We Were Vikings by Andrew David MacDonald. Next up is Three Daughters of Eve by Elif Shafak. And this book came out in maybe early 2019. It might have been 2018. Elif Shafak is a Turkish writer, and this book has been translated. The book centers around the lives of three women. The main protagonist is Perry, who has a teenage daughter. And at the beginning of the book, they are stuck in traffic one day in Istanbul. And we can see that Perry is a well-off woman. She drives a nice car and wears nice clothing. And when their car is stopped, someone reaches into her car and snatches her purse. Perry's instinct takes over and she chases down the purse smuggler. And during the struggle, a photograph falls out of the purse to the ground. And Perry seems definitely more concerned about that photograph than the purse being stolen. And she starts thinking about the people in the photograph, taking her back in time to her past. So we learn that Perry's father was a non-believer and a heavy drinker. 
and her mother was quite opposite. She was very devout, and Perry ends up going abroad to study at Oxford and meets two women who will become her closest friends. So the three women altogether make up what they refer to as the three daughters of Eve. One is the sinner, one is the believer, and one is confused. The book is comprised of lots of discussions about theology as well as spirituality exhibited by the sometimes magical realism found in the text. It's a book that looks at religious extremists, political repression, and the connection that Perry maintains with both. Uh, The only other book by a Turkish writer that came to mind as I was reading this book, because I have not read clearly enough Turkish fiction, is Orpem Pamuk's My Name is Red. And I think there are similarities here, including just the rich and vibrant writing itself. And again, that was Three Daughters of Eve by Elif Shafak. My next pick is Heathcliff Redux, a novella and stories by Lily Tuck. Lily Tuck is one of those writers who has been around forever. She has a ton of books published, including I Married You for Happiness. But the only book of hers that I've read is Sisters out a couple years ago, which I remember liking a lot. So this book is exactly as it says in the title. It is one novella followed by a few short stories. My favorite piece in the collection was the novella, which comes first. So I'm going to focus on that when I talk about this book. This is a sort of retelling and also a posturing of the novel Weathering Heights juxtaposed against a privileged woman in 1963 who is living in... Virginia, and it takes place during the months leading up to Kennedy's assassination. And she ends up living her own version of Weathering Heights. We never get her name, but um, she lives on a cattle farm and she's married and they have nine-year-old twin boys and life is moving along at a typical clop when Cliff, a reckless horseman, rides into town and our protagonist quickly falls for him. Everybody knows he's bad news, but she just can't help herself. There are many connections made between Cliff and the brooding Heathcliff from Emily Bronte's Weathering Heights in the form of Bronte's uh, biography and literary criticism about the novel that's included, and also actual passages from Bronte's novel. Much like Jenny Offal's prose, Tuck also writes in shorter, fragmented paragraphs. When the narrator gets distracted by her own thoughts, we get to tag along with her. I definitely felt fully immersed in the world of this novella, and when it ended, I really wasn't ready to read the other stories in the collection. But Heathcliff Redux had so many great observations and asides, and it definitely made me want to pick up my college copy of Weathering Heights again. That was Heathcliff Redux, a novella and stories by Lily Tuck. My last pick today is fun and funny, and it's called Oksana Behave, with a big old exclamation mark at the end of it, by Maria Kuznetsova. This is a coming-of-age immigrant story about a seven-year-old Oksana who 
moves from Kiev to Gainesville, Florida. The novel is told in a series of vignettes that begin when Oksana is in elementary school and it ends in her early adulthood. Her family members are very colorful. There's her outspoken grandmother, her smart and kind father, and her anxious mother. Oksana is constantly trying to assimilate, but she is always getting in her own way, such as when she has an affair with her track coach. The story feels funny and fresh and definitely a lighter take on an immigrant story. It's really a short fiction collection that follows the same character through different moments in her life. But I loved it. And again, it's called Oksana Behave by Maria Kuznetsova. That is all for this week. It was a quick episode because maybe I talk a lot faster at night. All of the books talked about on the show are listed in the show notes for this podcast. And if you feel like dropping me a line about anything, you can reach me at booksaremypeople at gmail.com. I'll be back in two weeks. And in the meantime, I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week.